Welcome to the Chi Alpha After Hours podcast, where we take a closer look at what it means to follow Jesus on the college campus and beyond. My name is Anna, and I'm hosting by myself today, but Trent is here to share his testimony with us, and I'm so excited for you all to hear it. We hope that hearing about what God has done in his life will be encouraging to you, no matter where you're at with your walk in the Lord. Trent, thanks for coming in today and being willing to share your testimony with us. Thank you so much for having me, Anna. Yeah. I've listened to a lot of podcasts, <laughs> so almost every episode now. So this is like dream come true. I'm excited. That is so exciting. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I'm so excited for you to be here yeah. and for you to get it to share, like open up your voice, I guess, mm-hmm. and to share more of your story with the Lord and yeah. see what mm-hmm. he's done in your life. Mm-hmm. Thank you. It's so yeah. exciting. Um, well, hey, let's start with how would you introduce yourself mm-hmm. um, and share what you do here on staff at OSU? Yeah, so this is my first official year um, on staff with a Chi Alpha Campus Ministry and here at OSU. So I work mostly full-time, about three-quarter time, and I split that between leading a Bible study and meeting with my students personally reaching out on campus, and doing a lot of the leadership stuff with our um, student leaders. So I prep our monthly leadership meeting where we do fellowship and teaching and worship with all our student leaders and encourage them in following Jesus and helping their students follow Jesus. Mm -hmm. And then typically, you know, a 40-hour work week is Mm -hmm. really what our staff do. But I do 30 hours just for my mental health and pacing and keeping my energy, and then I spend the rest of my time just nerding out, studying, learning, and having a lot of fun. I live in the Chi Alpha Men's Community House here. Yeah, the with, Haven. Yeah, the Haven with 12 other guys. Woot, woot. And so it's it's a lot of fun. And so I spend a lot of my time hanging out with them and and leading chores, <laughs> yeah. making sure the place is clean. And so, yeah, it's my first official year cool. on staff, hopefully for... A long time. I'm excited. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Such mm-hmm. a blessing to have you here, Thank too. You. Yeah. Thank you. Yeah. Super exciting. Mm-hmm. Neat. Well, let's jump into your story. Yeah. Where would you want to start? Yeah. So I've been in a situation of, like, sharing, you know, your story or your testimony multiple times. And you kind of just learn. For me, what I've learned that's helpful is choosing one, you know, element that God's growing me in or one significant thing that's going on in my life Mm -hmm. and retelling my story through a specific lens. And the downside is you leave out a lot of stuff, but the benefit is you get to be more intentional and specific about what God's doing in your life and um, exalting and elevating him in your story more than just, oh, well, I went to kindergarten, I learned to walk, and then I did this thing, and then mm-hmm. I discovered I was allergic to this thing. And, you know, you just get lost in so many details. So yeah. I've narrowed my story down. I wanted to quickly say, you know, for my story, mental health, like I just mentioned, is a huge part of my testimony. Um, mm-hmm. In a lot of ways, was one of the avenues that God showed up in my life. And actually decided, I prayed about it, I just thought, you know, there's a really good podcast episode that Chi Alpha After Hours did on mental health Mm -hmm. last year. And so for anyone listening, I'm 
not gonna like totally erase everything about my mental health in this episode, but if you want to get more details on what does God think about mental health, how do you, you know, um, how do you cultivate your mental health well, how do you participate with God in, yeah, in that area of brokenness in our world, there's a podcast episode from last year that I'd recommend you go listen to. Yeah, that um, was a really good episode. It was really it was good. Awesome. It was so good. Cassie did such a good yeah, job. Yeah. Yeah, so great. And so this time I'm focusing more on the theme of just the Bible in general. Like I love, I love, love, love the Bible um, <laughs> and reading it and talking about it. And I didn't always. Um, it used to be something very scary and weird and awkward. <laughs> Mm-hmm. For me, like like myself, you know, is like the Bible's yeah. become <laughs> the Bible's like this awkward friend that <laughs> I've learned is really amazing, and nobody understands it. Mm-hmm. And I just and they think they assume what it says, and it'll say something kind of really weird, mm-hmm. and I'll be like, no, like, but that's from a whole life of God really implanting and shaping me and opening up my heart in yeah. a lot of ways, and. Mm-hmm. That's really, yeah, key parts of my story. And so I guess we'll start a little bit at the beginning. Cool. <laughs> I, uh, I'm from Atlanta, Georgia. So the Bible Belt. <laughs> like the heart of like it. Like the heart of it. Like the, <laughs> if you know what a belt, everyone knows what a belt is. Like the little. I hope so. The little, uh, little, like. Clasp? Yeah, clasp dude of the belt. That's yeah. Georgia. Okay. On the Bible Belt. <laughs> Keeps it all together. <laughs> <laughs> Keeps it together. Bread and butter. For, for better or worse. And. So I actually lived in Georgia for like three years <laughs> my life. Not really that long at all, but my family lived there a lot. And so they were very steeped in American Christian biblical culture. Mm-hmm. And so when we moved out to Washington State, cause my dad got a job at a, a smaller company at the time called Microsoft. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Super small company. And so <laughs> we move out there and we immediately get involved with a church and I believe neither of my parents grew up, like, Assemblies of God full on, like, from birth. Um, but when we moved out here, um, we got involved with a community in Issaquah, Washington. Uh, it was called Eastridge Assemblies of God. Cool. And, yeah, it was a big AG church. <laughs> mm-hmm. um, and I think for me that was really important because at that point both my parents took their faith very seriously Mm. and I was in my whole my whole family it was immediate family that I grew up with in in Washington that was here with me Uh, my mom volunteered like every week for the children's ministry Mm. um, helping with kids and bible stories and like Thanksgiving baskets I remember one year and like just a lot of hardcore like service Mm. um, giving back and being a member of the community. And my dad is, this is where I also probably get the super studious, <laughs> like mm-hmm. obsessing over a detail and trying to work everything out. Because my dad, I remember when I was young, back when this is gonna date me, which I can't believe I'm old enough to say that, <laughs> but cassette tapes that you would put in your car. Oh yeah, 100%. <laughs> my dad had like a whole entire briefcase of sermons from our church cassette tapes. Um, and I remember the Eastridge Church, you know, logo and everything, and each week, and he would go to 
um, family friend Paul, who did a lot of the sound and, and tech at the church, and he would record and, mm-hmm. you know, give the messages out to people. And so from a very early age, I'm just thankful to, you know, I there's elements of Bible Belt culture that um, shock people or traumatize people. And I know not everyone's experience with Bible Belt culture or very steeped Christian families is a positive experience, but (laughs) praise the Lord, you know, mine was. I kind of grew up where being servant-hearted and being studious were like two sides of the same coin. Mm-hmm. And that's kind of what my parents <laughs> grew me up to to be, both of them. And so, yeah, that's kind of where my journey starts. And I'm thankful, you know, that I started kind of on the right right foot. Yeah, mm-hmm. definitely. Mm-hmm. Can you um, explain a little bit more just what the Assemblies of God is? Oh, totally. And what that means. Yeah, yeah. so in Christianity, <laughs> there's this one big family, mm-hmm. and like any family— you know, uh, there's a bunch of different branches of a family tree and very simple terms. Assemblies of God is a branch of the family tree. It's what we would call a denomination. Mm-hmm. And so they're a family of Jesus followers who have their own, it's like an organization. So organizationally where there's structure mm-hmm. and they're what you would call Pentecostal denomination. And so they a lot of their beliefs, why there's different, you know, you separate in family trees, there's some similarities and then differences. And one thing that's unique about the Assemblies of God is that Pentecostal element. So essentially the idea of the spirit, um, the presence of God being alive and active today and empowering people by filling them and using them to distribute God's gifts, um, gifts of prophecy, of speaking in other languages, whether it be other human languages or heavenly languages, mm-hmm. um, gifts of healing, gifts yeah. of interpreting. Um, so, yeah, it's a very spirit-led and um, walking with the spirit and being filled with the spirit and allowing God to move through you and show and reveal himself in, we would call them supernatural, <laughs> above-natural ways. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, yeah, it's a little bit of the assemblies of God and the how I would describe them. And again, like, you know, I think for me, I'm a very studious and very, very materialistic, not in a sense of I love things, but mm-hmm. um, being able to have a tangible reference point is important for me to learn and understand and domesticate what I'm learning. And so I think it was really helpful to grow up in a denomination in a branch of the Jesus family where the intangible and the, and the supernatural is something that was explored more. Hmm. And so for me, I kind of got that sense of, okay, like I can be a Christian and I have my, I want everything to be tangible and visible and understandable. <laughs> and God's just like, that's not how everything, you know, when you're dealing with the invisible God who is made visible through Jesus, mm-hmm. but is still God is spirit. And so to interact with something that blows my categories of living mm-hmm. in the world out the water, then I think it was really helpful to grow up in that environment that, that was embraced and not, again, domesticated or tried to be controlled, but was explored. And yeah, I mean, I visited a bunch of other different Assemblies of God churches, like any community, some are 
great, some are not so great. So I totally empathize with people who, you know, had mixed experiences. But for me, it was just a great experience for me as someone who's very tangible to be able to interact with God and realize, okay, if I'm going to follow Jesus and if my life story, my testimony is going to be about interacting with Jesus, who I can't see, there's an element of the unseen being explored to me that needs to be accepted. Like, okay, I just can't see Jesus right now. I will one day. Yeah, yeah. And that's going to be cool. (laughs) But not right now. And so it helps to have that environment. And so Mm. AG and Chi Alpha is a part of that. We're um, connected through the Assemblies of God, same organization to reach out to college students. Mm. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Love that. Awesome. Thanks for that explanation. So at this point in your story, you're in Washington and you're going to a church. Mm -hmm. What's like the next like next thing yeah. that you want to share with us. Yeah. It's so funny. Again, you just think through, okay, if I want to trace through this theme of where is this, how do we get to the Bible? <laughs> mm. You know, so I grew up, I love stories. I love literature. I love movies and music and art. Um, mainly because the idea of story is really cool. We The only reason we can talk right now is through story, like through context, through what happened yesterday, what might happen tomorrow, um, where we're at in our journey. And I think for me, at a very early age, I actually am a very slow reader. So I I eventually went on to major in English literature, but I'm a very slow reader. And at first I didn't really enjoy reading. Um, I would read, you know, really basic short books with three words on each page, you know, Dick and Jane, that kind of stuff growing up. That's probably... I keep saying stuff that's old, cassette tapes, Dick and Jane. But, 1997. Yeah, oh my goodness. But I got into reading fast when I discovered Spider-Man and <laughs> 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 comic books. Um, I remember writing my own Spider-Man comic books as a kid, Whoa. like boxes upon boxes. And from there, I really got into reading and visual media and and so then when I would go to church it's actually funny because it'd be man no offense if mom and dad are watching but it was so boring Hmm. like the worship was decent it was was fun and sometimes the pastor would say a funny thing in the sermon um more charisma Hmm. you know focused preachers um, revivalist kind of preachers who were trying to get you to a point of decision about following Jesus. But I remember sitting in sermons and just zoning out all the time. Uh, it could be kids' church, <laughs> which, God bless them, they tried their best, but I still... <laughs> or it could be, you know, when Dad would take me to the normal service, and when I grew up and eventually started going to the regular service, it just felt so dry. And I have some memories... But my greatest memories in church as a kid were either super supernatural things happening that blew my mind or just really boring. Like we're opening the Bible. Mm. Oh, man. Like um, it's really, I would say, reading the Bible at a young age, it felt like a history lesson, Mm. Um, especially Old Testament. It was, okay. I'm going to open the Bible and I'll give you 20 minutes of maps and Hebrew words, and here's what their houses looked like, and here's how smelly their feet were because they didn't 
you know, take showers or whatever. And here's this kingdom was fighting with that kingdom. I'm probably already boring listeners right now because it is like, <laughs> and history is important and I've come to appreciate it. But I think at a young age when I was trying to be like, okay, like there's this invisible God and he's given something visible and tangible <laughs> for us, the Bible. But man, if this is the most tangible I get with Jesus, um, oh man, I'm in a, a world of hurt because this is not cutting it. This is boring. Um, but, you know, so where the Bible wasn't exciting, Spider-Man, <laughs> you know, like superheroes and larger than life figures. And it's funny you think of Spider-Man. And I thought about this a lot, like this character who I still really appreciate. The new movie is coming out next month and I'm yeah. super excited. I actually have a friend that was cast in it. Oh, so I'm wondering goodness. if I'll get to see her. It's so exciting. <laughs> this point in the background. Oh, there's my friend. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> but this character that stuck with me, and there were things that I realized now, even just talking right now, that were dynamic about comics that at first glance was not dynamic about the Bible. Like, oh, a connected story. Like, I can trace. Mm-hmm. I could go back and read the first stories of, like, the origin of Spider-Man. And him learning lessons and people failing to live up to their ideals and Mm. the idea of, like, being given great power. And that must come with this weird, intangible responsibility to do good and to protect your neighborhood. Um, And, of course, there's a bunch of colorful pictures (laughs) that help with that. But, you know, the Bible was just this boring Mm. history book to me. It was either a... You know, some sort of moral rule book um, where at the end of the service, the pastor would say, okay, now do this thing. Um, or it would be a theological dictionary. So mm-hmm. this is why we believe this, because I pull these verses out mm-hmm. and quote them to you. So that was until I would say, gosh, early high school. Mm-hmm. And then um, by the time I get to my junior year of high school, I had been going to church a little bit every Sunday, but something in me, I think for my parents um, and just some Christians I knew, the idea of being involved in a community was very important. So at around, I guess, age 15 or so, I found a local community church because Eastridge was in Issaquah. And we, at first, lived around there, but we then moved to Everett, Mm -hmm. which if you don't know geography in Washington... Is a 45-minute drive one way. so From Issaquah? <laughs> from Everett to Issaquah. It's like a 45. Wow. <laughs> so hour and a half, both, you know, full full way to get to church each Sunday. And Yeah. I and was, Everett's like, mm-hmm. is it like a 45-minute drive north of Seattle? Yeah. About? Yeah, about yeah. that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So on a map, it's you drive a little bit to Seattle and a little bit inward. Mm-hmm. And there you are. That might be accurate. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> but um, I decided, you know, like, I I want to go more deep with being a Christian. And what I know is you're supposed to be studious and serve people. And I'm going to try to do that. So I remember February 23rd, 26th of 2014, I attended a youth group at Gold Creek Community Church. And... That night, I chose to follow Jesus and mm. become a Christian. The message was on agape love, which is a Greek word uh, that describes God's love. 
and I've come to characterize it as sacrificial, other-oriented care. So that's the about the type of sermon I got. Mm-hmm. Um, it wasn't focused on here's this historical, you know, conflict with these people in this passage, or here's the cultural context for how people washed clothes and made wine in, you know, Greek culture. It was focused on this dynamic, like this relationship dynamic. And I thought, okay, I'm ready. Like, sign me up. This sounds like the best thing (laughs) I've ever heard. And immediately, for like a year and a half then, I attended youth group and eventually got plugged into my first small group. Um, I never really grew up doing small group or knowing what it was. And it's where a bunch of humans that follow Jesus or are interested in Jesus get together outside of just a Sunday gathering and read the Bible and have time to spend with each other and pray together. And that was the greatest. I was like, these are my first friends. Like literally, I I had some friends growing up, but deep, deep spiritual friendship where you're vulnerable Mm. and can share about your struggles and share about the things that don't make sense. And so, man, special shout out to my first, I was in my first mentor figure and uh, my youth pastor, Cham, um, and man, Jeremy, Jacob, Finro. We call him Finro. <laughs> There's some people where this makes sense to call him by their last name, but Finro, right. uh, Brandon, Kevin. Um, these are just really mm-hmm. great. I'm, I feel bad. I might be forgetting one or two people. It was a long time ago, though. Mm-hmm. Um, but that first just community experience of going deeper and loving each other and... You know, if my first stage of life taught me the Bible is like a theological dictionary or a rule book, mm-hmm. I I love my community, but I think I started morphine. I became a post-Bible Christian. Mm-hmm. Um, like the Bible is still important and relevant in our times together, but it was more about like a fortune cookie, <laughs> how, okay, let's open it up and see what a positive or insightful um, thing is going to change the way I live or impact me or touch my heart. Mm. And so that's kind of where I ended up. I I love that community and I grew a lot. I think a lot of my story I've reflected. And, you know, at first, I think reflecting on my testimony, it was, God, like, why didn't you illuminate all this earlier? Like, make the Bible clearer, um, bring me into community sooner, Mm. um, teach me these lessons of, of what it means to be human more quickly. Mm-hmm. And I think the answer is just because I wasn't ready for it mm-hmm. yet. You know, it's like what you know is similar to if we just gave all our technology and iPads and Teslas to people in like the 1600s, <laughs> it'd be pointless. Like they wouldn't know how to handle it. Mm-hmm. They'd be going overnight to something insane. But con- you know, inversely, if you start incrementally and discover electricity, (laughs) fire, and then conducting electricity, and then slowly the first computer, and then you get to at least hopefully have a more handle on technology, which I would argue, do we need more? Uh, I don't know. (laughs) Do we need more technology? But for me, it was like God didn't want to grow everything in me all at the same time Mm. because my spirit probably couldn't handle all that change. 
And so incrementally, and what I needed correcting at, at the proper opportune times, mm. God would give that to me. And so that first was cultivating that heart with service and being committed and then in community with, with others. And so, mm. yeah, that, that high school, second half of high school was, was great. I got baptized Easter Sunday, oh, 2015. That's so, cool. mm-hmm. so that's, yeah, in terms of high school, that next trajectory, that's where I ended up there. Mm-hmm. Mm. Mm-hmm. Neat. So at this point, it's, you said 2015 when you got baptized. Yeah. Yep. And then I'm assuming you went to college. Yeah. But I also you also haven't mentioned that you have a sibling. Yeah, I have multiple siblings. Multiple siblings, yeah. <laughs> so I just wanted to yeah. ask into that really quick. What's oh, your family of course. Like, makeup? Yeah, that's, that's the struggle with testimony and doing how I do it is yeah. I intentionally had pride pages of mm. all my family and my family history, but um, I love them. It would just be another hour. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> and yeah. so the um, Cliff Notes version is I have mom and dad, Mm-hmm. Um, who are currently in New Jersey. My dad now works for MasterCard, mm-hmm. and so my mom and dad are there. And I'm super. I'm getting to see them in December for Christmas. Oh, I'm cool. super excited. Yeah. I keep forgetting I'm going to be right next to New York, and we'll go to New York because I just care about seeing mom and dad again. <laughs> yeah. I mean, the city's cool, but mom and dad are great. <laughs> and I have three immediate siblings, mm-hmm. so Whitney, Brooke, and Drew, and... Let's see here. So Drew's the same age as me because we're twins. What? <laughs> I have a twin so brother, cool. Drew. Um, there is, so for those of you who don't know, Anna and I tried recording this bit earlier. Yeah. Um, and she asked me what my age was. And I actually forgot. <laughs> and I had to do the math. And so I actually, honestly, like besides my brother, I genuinely forget everyone else's age. Like, mm. everyone else's Interesting. <laughs> I just, I'm good at birthdays. Like, they're all on my Google calendar. Wow. And I have those notifications up. But in terms of age, I just always struggle remembering. Like, I think my oldest nephew, Whitney's son, is in high school now. And that's crazy. Whoa. Um, so Whitney is the oldest of us. And she's married. She married her high school sweetheart, Aww. Robert. And they have three kids. And they live right behind Snohomish High School. Snohomish, Washington, mm. and homeowners, super smart with money. <laughs> I think Whitney definitely grew up in that environment of, you know, the Dave Ramsey. The, oh, yes. yeah. Oh, yes. yeah. Oh, yeah. Super wise. She's, I think, takes more of the studious, get down to the bottom of things mm. stuff. And then Brooke. Brooke is a flight attendant for Delta. What? Yeah. So she's like the super traveling, adventurous. I think she takes after a lot of my mom's, like, um, I would say friendliness and making friendships and being interwoven and connected in different communities and people's lives and being involved. Mm-hmm. And that's something I've always been jealous of because as an introvert, it's super hard for me to like push myself. But mm-hmm. for Brooke, it comes very naturally to be sociable and friendly. Mm-hmm. Um, so you, d- you would define yourself as an introvert. Yeah. So yeah. going into college, mm-hmm. what was that like? Yeah. So going to college was interesting because... I'm the first of any of my siblings to go to college. Wow. Mm-hmm. I don't think college is like the number one important you know, thing to do, but it's really helpful. Mm-hmm. And so that was actually kind of hard. I was leaving my family behind and seeing my siblings less, <laughs> you know, and seeing my parents less. But going into college, I 
I think a, help, a helpful distinction is there's a difference between introversion and extroversion mm-hmm. and being sociable. Mm-hmm. So my sister, Brooke, is, I think, more extroverted. Um, she gets a lot of energy from being around people. Like, she could probably go to a party and then go to another party and then go to another party and just, like, have the time, probably the life of all those parties. And it would just be like an energizer bunny, like super excited, friendly, being super personable with everyone. Mm-hmm. Um, for me, I go to half a party <laughs> and I'm like, I need a nap. <laughs> <laughs> so, you know, but I've known, I've had friends who are introverted, but very sociable and extroverted, but are not that sociable. So they get energy from being in a crowd, being in a group, but they don't want to make a ton of friends or hold a ton of friendships out there in tension. Or someone who's introverted and shy, but they do want to get to know people a lot. And so I am introverted and not that social. Mm. <laughs> so I could, I remember my first year at community college, I did one year at community college and I had no friends, which seemed at like, all? yeah, all year? at all, at <gasps> all. I did online classes mostly because I just discovered it's called community college, but that was a lie. Uh, there's no community. <laughs> well, there was, but I didn't look after it. And so when I went to college, so I got my AA, direct transfer agreement, and I went up to wa- Western Washington University, mm-hmm. where I majored in English literature with a teaching emphasis. And if it was not for my roommate, Cameron Zetterland, who was involved in a Chi Alpha ministry uh, at Western, if it wasn't for him being my roommate, plugging me into a Jesus community, I probably would have done the same thing as community college, just in my room mm. all the time, watch YouTube, Netflix. I remember my first week, I think my RA met with me when I was at Western, and they were, we were kind of mapping out my time, you know, and I don't have a job, I'm not working during that year in college, and he was asking, so what, what do you do with your time, Trent? And... I kind of just didn't answer because I was too nervous to say I just look at YouTube (laughs) for like 10 hours of my day. Um, Mm -hmm. But thankfully for Cameron, I got plugged into a community, um, that Bible study, that small group element that I cultivated Mm -hmm. a heart for in high school. Well, Cameron was a part of a Bible study, a group of guys that met in my residence hall on campus. And so I joined that small group, and I start meeting with um, early great next mentor of mine, Jake Dahlberg. And Jake Dahlberg, John Rayborn, Christian Castro, I had a really great just group of leadership mm-hmm. in that core. And it was funny because I remember my first quarter, I didn't really know what a Corfa was. For those of you who don't know what a Corfa is, maybe you're listening from a different um, ministry or you're, you know, not in the know and Kaiafa lingo, but a Corfa is a core facilitator. So like a small group leader, mm-hmm. you facilitate and lead conversation. But my first quarter, I thought I had like 10 Corfas <laughs> because everybody in that group was just so personable and asking follow-up questions when you said something in core. And now we're actually reading a whole passage of the Bible. And that's weird. Like, and we're not getting hyper-focused on what kingdom did what with what king and history and mm-hmm. like oh this is this is this isn't how I grew up doing stuff in my Bible belt <laughs> yeah you know and throughout that year 
I think I grew a lot in community, um, in recognizing patterns of behavior. I think it was a big thing. Like you, once you're out of the soup of family, where your parents have a lot more grace <laughs> and maybe patience and maybe there's patterns of behavior that just go along with family culture or friendship culture mm-hmm. or even like, you know, where you live and grow up or Bible Belt culture. You Once you go to college, what's helpful in going to college is it really unearths, oh, like the differences I have. Not all things are terrible in the sense of personality or differences, but oh, like, sarcasm was big and it was a big way of bonding and connecting my family but without a very family tight connection in a community you know if I'm just getting to know people then sarcasm is actually very hurtful (laughs) and it's no longer like ooh Trent's so sassy but oh Trent's like mean (laughs) he like makes fun of me or he makes these offhand comments and so I think a lot of that year was again like what God knew I was ready for next was growing in, okay, how do I unlearn the old me and take on more of the new me, um, the new humanity that Jesus is inviting me into? Mm-hmm. And so that was a really great year of learning to use my voice as well, like speaking up, sharing my mind. Yeah. Um, I'm a super, <laughs> I want to keep the peace and hide and not share my opinion. And so has been really helpful um, that first year especially and so by the end of the first year I was baptized in the spirit there's mm. I think we have a podcast episode we do about that as well yeah. being filled with God's spirit mm-hmm. and I was recommended and I accepted a position to be a Corfa a small group leader wow for the next school year so that was the first year is a whirlwind so I don't know if you have any specific questions <laughs> to help me think about you know that year or anything else you want to pull out of that yeah, it just sounds like you were, um, you came out of high school and you, mm-hmm. it sounds like you went into community college and it almost sounds like you kind of fell into like this season of isolation. Yeah. Do you know kind of like what triggered that? Because it sounds like you had really mm. good community in high yeah. school, but then it sounded like something shifted. Mm-hmm. Was there like a move or do yeah. you want to talk a little bit more about oh, that? Oh, yeah. I think there's a couple of different factors. Mm-hmm. Um, I think one, my depression had mm-hmm. been getting better when I was in community with people. But once I start, you know, once people graduate and move away or move on, um, I don't have a specific community of Jesus followers anymore because everyone moves on and moves away for the most part. Mm-hmm. There was an element of, oh, this rhythm and God-given like pattern and structure and good wasn't present anymore and so you know I think about how Paul thinks about the powers Um, they're all over his New Testament letters and this idea of thinking about heavenly and earthly um, power structures authorities that you can allow to lead you versus God is really do I allow the spirit to lead me or do I allow other things to lead me and lead my thoughts and lead my way of thinking and so when I'm out of community I'm not surrounded by people who affirm the truth of following Jesus and help me wrestle through and think through difficult, tough things. Then I think the powers have more at their disposal. You know, there's more influence where I'm spending time just by myself with no one and any thought that I have becomes a good thought. 
mm-hmm. you know, because you're not checking everything or you don't have um, a tight-knit community. And my, my parents were great, but you need more than just <laughs> your immediate family. You yeah. do need more people in your life. And you can't, you know, you can't depend on your family to be your counselor or to be your ultimate only support system. That's a lot to put on siblings and a lot to put on parents. Yeah. And they're good. My my family was great at loving me, helping me, and they still are. But if I put all my weight on that, then it's not going to be sufficient. And so I think a lot of the backsliding was I was not involved in a community of Jesus followers who came alongside me, um, who bore each other's burdens, carried each other's burdens. Mm-hmm. Um, the spirit moving, we have a very individualistic, I think, idea of the spirit where, oh, like the spirit influences me and leads me guides me do you mean like we as like in i think the average christian culture, the average average christian church. culture yeah average mm-hmm. christian church culture where in reality the spirit dwells in the temple and yeah our bodies in a sense are like a temple yeah. they're like a house for mm-hmm. god's presence but really the picture that's painted more in the bible from beginning to end is like when humans dwell together as a mm-hmm. community god's presence fills that space and moves and heals and again those ideas of prophecy like speaking over people and bringing people out of darkness to light and healing and forgiveness and restoration that happens in community and so yeah I think community college was that element of learning a lesson the hard way but now that I've learned it I can you know do better in my own life to help my students and it's so cool, you know, we started this year um, a Chi Alpha ministry at Lynn Benton Community College. Yeah. I just Ooh, think whoosh. of, so yeah, exciting. I think of how much of a blessing, you know, there's many trends <laughs> that oh, are probably yeah. there in that community that now get a chance at community. And I'm sure there were Christian ministries when I was a student, but the way we do ministry here at Chi Alpha of, okay, like you go out and you start conversation with students and you find people, yeah. I definitely would have been found if... Mm. You know, someone was there to to allow the spirit to guide them, and I'm thankful we have Jeff and Hillary and a bunch of just excited students over at Lynn Benton now that are taking that charge to invite yeah. people into community and to maybe make uh, what was my second year at college experience mm-hmm. their first year mm-hmm. college experience would would be great. Yeah, that's so good. I want to mm-hmm. highlight something that you're. I think you're getting at is mm-hmm. like. The, there is such beauty in community, mm-hmm. but there wouldn't be community like that without Jesus. Yeah. So I think for a lot of people, they might go to college and be like, oh, yeah, I'm a part of a ministry. Like, mm-hmm. oh, because I'm like for me when I was in college at Western, I'm like, oh, I'm a part of CCF. I'm good. Like, uh-huh. I'm set. I'm like doing the Christian thing. Mm-hmm. But it's actually not the community that saves us. It's actually yep. Jesus that yep. saves us. And he's yep. the one that do, mm-hmm. that's doing that. And so yeah. when we were, it sounds like. Like when we rely too much on community, you yeah. get caught up in community. Where mm-hmm. like, mm-hmm. what if you got caught up in God and His Spirit yeah. and His Word? Which sounds mm-hmm. like that's the point where you got where you're like, yeah. I love God. Yeah. And this is what God is doing mm-hmm. in my community, and mm-hmm. I want to help build that because I want to see God transform people. Which yeah. Is really powerful. Yeah. It's that spirit-filled community. Mm-hmm. You know, you can join a bunch of different clubs, but I don't. I don't know, man. I. Try I, I tried joining some other clubs that weren't Christian or that were, you know, a bunch of Jesus 
freaks Jesus people. <laughs> but like you said, there's not a focus on God's spirit and God's personal presence dwelling with that community. Mm. Uh, I, don't, I don't know. That's well, <laughs> the kids don't know what I what I'm saying. It sounds a little sus. <laughs> <laughs> sounds a little suspicious. So. <laughs> Awesome. Mm-hmm. Oh, neat. Okay, so we're at the point in your story where you became a Corfa. Yeah. Which is really great. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, were there just some, was there, can you point out like a couple key moments in that? And yeah. maybe going in, into like your first year on staff or the internship, yeah. is there anything you want to talk about in there? I think, yeah, in that, I think the most definitive thing for me was the Bible. <laughs> I think mm-hmm. um, I had been faking it for a while, <laughs> knowing what the Bible was about. Like, I think like a lot of Christians are able to do, um, not faking it in like a, in a malicious sense, but in assuming, oh, I'm good. I know what this is. It's God's, you know, the classic words. It's God's word. It's um, the truth. It's the only thing in life you need. You know, what's the acronym? Basic instructions before leaving earth. Basically. Which, which is <laughs> theologically terrible if yes. you're listening to this. <laughs> mm-hmm. We have a podcast on that too, on <laughs> I think on New Heavens, New Earth eschatology we stuff from do. last year. Yeah. So they went there. They went there. Yes. Yeah. God bless them. <laughs> but you know, so when I was at Corfa, the first quarter I survived. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I it was leading some Bible study and walking students through the Bible and bringing some headway and planning studies, but by winter break, I remember going home for winter break my sophomore year of being a college student, and I was in a coffee shop. It was the Starbucks off 164th Street, <laughs> Everett, Washington. <laughs> I, I Google mapped it because I was like, I know this is where it is. Wow. And it's where it is because the Panda Express was right next to it. My brother and I would always go there Aww. all the time. We still, <laughs> whenever I'm home, we got to go out to eat, but... I was in that coffee shop, and I had been praying before break, like, God, I'm a Corfa. I think I want to do the internship, which is like a 10-month-long program where you're pretty much a pastor in training mm-hmm. at a Chi Alpha. You're like, your full-time gig is to be a Bible study leader and to meet with students and pretty much practice being on staff of being a pastor. And being an evangelist. Being an evangelist, too. going out and meeting yeah. students. And I'm like, God, I need to know the Bible, <laughs> not just know it, but, you know, noticing Jesus, I would read the Gospels. I remember reading the Gospel of Luke for the first time. That was the first book of the Bible I ever read through 100%. Wow. And it was great because Luke focuses a lot on um, social and socioeconomic um, struggles. And so a lot of Jesus' ministry in that is highlighting um, people in poverty people mm-hmm. struggling with cultural divide and differences. And that was very captivating to me as a college student because that's, you know, the memo I get in college. Yeah. Is <laughs> the whole economic revolution and change the world. But so much of it was so confusing and frustrating because Jesus would quote stuff from the thir- first three quarters of this book I'm reading and I have no idea, like, you figure, like, for me, as someone who went through middle school and high school and was taught this, if you quote something, you're supposed to unpack the quote and talk <laughs> about what its importance is. 
Man, sounds like you need to give Jesus a couple pointers on <laughs> so that. So I was like, Jesus, you're not doing this right, man. Like, you're losing the room. That's you what know? footnotes are for in yeah. Bible. <laughs> but I, yeah, I would check those footnotes then and just became more confused. And then I was like, well, maybe I should read the whole thing from start to finish, the whole Bible. Mm-hmm. But then there's like, God makes the world somehow, and then there's a snake that talks, and no one seems to bat an eye. And then... <laughs> The world gets really wet and kills a lot of people. <laughs> oh my gosh, just like last night, it was raining so hard. It was raining so hard. Yeah. And I mean, story after story, and then more stories, and then the history, quote unquote history, mm-hmm. is that we call it. And I was like, okay, I have no idea what I'm doing here. I have no idea what this is. And I was praying a lot, and I was sitting in this coffee shop. And I think everybody who knows me knows where I'm going with this story. But there was a video on YouTube that popped up. Oh, snap. (laughs) From Bible Project. At the time I knew them, it was The Bible Project. The Bible Project. The Bible Project. (laughs) But they took a social network uh, cue and dropped the... (laughs) And made it cool and, and modern. But it was a video by Bible Project. That was just, what is the Bible? It was a four-minute video. It looked like a cartoon. I'm like, I'm down for this. Oh, especially when you grew up looking at Spider-Man comics. comics. Yeah. I'm like, oh, I'm into comic books. Wow. This looks like cel-shaded, cool. I'm like, let me do this. Let's see what happens. And so I play it and, like, immediately changed, like, Mm. light bulb. It was like multiple light bulbs (laughs) at the same time everywhere um essentially the idea of like you know like i've said the paradigms of the bible as a theological dictionary the -hmm. bible as a rule book the bible as a fortune cookie kind of slot machine um and their idea um john collins and tim mackey um who are the like co-founders creators of bible project both biblical scholars where they say no the bible is a unified story that points you to Jesus. And something about that, like hearing them say the Bible is a collection of different types of literature, mm. just blew my mind. Like, it was, you know, it's in front of your face the whole time. And I think I probably heard Christians say that before, but never in the way of like, no, like, understand this paradigm, take a deep breath, understand it, and just go on this journey of learning about how to read the Bible this way. And and throughout the rest of my high school or college, the rest of my college experience and my internship was just a deep, 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 deep dive into, I would call it biblical literacy. Mm-hmm. Um, just learning how to read the Bible and engage it as a unified story. Mm-hmm. And I know, I, I think I run into <laughs> some trouble because I think, some people will hear me say, oh, it's a unified story. And they're like, no, it's not, because there's all these different genres. Or, you know, you're trying to simplify it too much, because I love minimalism and simplicity. And they're like, oh, you're trying to simplify it. But no, actually, you know, I, I went back and I started reading Jesus, and he made so much more sense, because that's how he wow. read his Bible, uh, the mm-hmm. Old Testament. Mm-hmm. And for me, why it made so much sense is... And this is a quote that I love. I think God at the heart of why I was struggling with faith and in knowing God is 
Uh, I kind of toyed with this quote for a bit. It's kind of like my quote slash other people smarter than me, but I didn't like how they worded it, so I reworded it. Oh, but, cool. <laughs> so it's like a revision. Yeah. Here we go. I would say by reading the scriptures, how Jesus read them, we protect ourselves from creating a Bible in our own image. Oh, snap. And so when you allow Jesus to, you know, be the teacher we claim he is, we, we claim, oh, Jesus was a Jewish rabbi, a Jewish teacher who taught the Old Testament, who taught the scriptures to people. I think for me, what's been so more helpful is approaching it through, okay, well, how did Jesus read his Bible? Okay, that's how I'm going to read my Bible. And there's a lot of things that scandalize you because <laughs> there's a lot of paradigm rethinking. But I found it so helpful. And so much of what the Bible says, like how the New Testament letters talk about the Bible, makes so much more sense. Um, and... For me, it wasn't just about learning, like, oh, new things, like being a nerd and, oh, I know all these facts about the Bible, but coming to a better understanding of how the Bible doesn't transform me. God's spirit and community transforms me, Mm. but how the Bible points me and encourages me to be transformed became so much more clear and so much more convicting. Mm. So through the internship and through last year, um, I wasn't on staff, but I came down to OSU Kaiafa to volunteer and help out in the ministry and in community to also follow Cassie, who I started dating yeah, you <laughs> after did. the internship. That's awesome. Who's also a Kaiafa pastor. Um, learning to read the Bible this way, and this could be podcast worth, you know, of other stuff, but learning to read the Bible how Jesus read it was mm-hmm. the most transformational thing that's one of the most transformational. I would say after simply choosing to follow Jesus and learning the lessons of investing in Jesus-filled community, reading the Bible the Jesus way was like the most important. And like, you know, I go back to myself as a kid where I was enamored with comic books and like imagery and motif and themes and cool characters and the overarching theme of being gifted great power but then using that power to love your neighbor it's kind of like channeling it, <laughs> yeah like giving it a channeling place to everything. go mm-hmm. mm. and it made me realize oh like the thing i've actually been enamored by these themes and ideas was actually in the bible all along and it's so more dynamic now and yeah I, there's there's nothing for it and i think for me i look back and I'm like, man, I wish I had made these discoveries sooner of being invested in Jesus-filled community, of learning to read the Bible how Jesus read it, which I know that sounds ambiguous, you know, but it's just such a big topic that maybe we can piece out one or two things. But but mm-hmm. these lessons I learned, I think you have to learn them in the season that I don't want to say God's planned because I don't actually think God just plans out your life magically and then you are a robot but when it seems good to the spirit as the apostles would say um, and when you're ready to participate with god and what he wants to grow in you next then that will be the next step and so Mm. choosing to follow jesus was the next step at that point in high school 
um, choosing to be invested in spirit-filled community, finally, and understanding its importance was the next step when I came to college. Mm -hmm. And um, reading the Bible as a unified story that tells me that I am messed up, I am broken, but that there is um, one outside of me that has come and allowed me to participate in all things being made new. That I needed to learn that at the right time. And you kind of learn that along the way, but those light bulb moments need to happen at the right time. Um, when it seems good <laughs> to the Spirit. It's my favorite verse to take out of context. But when it seems good to the Spirit to partner with you and what God wants to grow in you next. Mm. And God knows you the mm -hmm. best. Yep, He does. Anyone. Here's and the, so He knew mm -hmm. the perfect timing mm -hmm. for you. Yep. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Mm -hmm. That's powerful. Yeah. Well, is there anything else you want to share before we move on to the last question here? Hmm. Anything you can think of? What is the last question? The last question is, if we were talking to someone and you only had a few sentences to communicate what you've learned about God by walking with him, what would you say? Hmm. I'm going to answer that question. <laughs> it might not be a couple... I'll, I'll like springboard off of it to laying the plane on like that final element of like reading yeah. the Bible mm -hmm. well. Because I think it was not funny, but ironic. It was ironic when I first came on staff. My first staff meetings were actually the end of the year review. <laughs> oh, yeah. So I, <laughs> I felt so weird, not in like a bad way, but in like, uh, like I'm the new kid in class. <laughs> and uh, it's like the week before summer break <laughs> and I'm enjoying all like the pizza parties and stuff, which not that every staff meeting is a pizza party. So oh, no. suspiciously, <laughs> we do have a lot of cake sometimes at staff meetings. Yeah. You can ask Christian about that. Sometimes. Yeah. <laughs> but what was interesting about those meetings was there was a unified consensus that biblical literacy is like an all time low um, not just, and I would probe that a little bit to say, not just what the Bible is, like, oh, not just the overarching, who is Jesus, but how to read the Bible well is, dude, it's a struggle. Like, I grew up in Bible Belt culture, going to a big, you know, church. I was steeped in churchianity. Churchianity. <laughs> churchianity for a long time. And all I got out of it was, oh, the Bible tells me what to do is my dictionary to, you know, win an argument about who Jesus is. And then maybe my Bible app gives me a verse of the day that encourages me, <laughs> you know, mm -hmm. Lord is my shepherd. I know the plans you have for me. Um, it's funny, nobody quotes Paul where he like, Right, so I tell you the truth, I'm not a liar. I think there's so many good quotes you just... Or bring my cloak. <laughs> bring my cloak. says to Timothy. <laughs> <laughs> Drink some wine for yep. your stomach. Yep. Um, <laughs> but for me, I think, you know, Anna, it's interesting you mentioned to me a little bit about... You're reading through the Old Testament right now. I am, yeah. Oh, dude. I'm in Leviticus. Leviticus. Yeah. That's... Hey, that's where people normally give up. So just stick through it. <laughs> I will. I, I have been. <laughs> stick through it. Um, there's a quote. It's, well, it's a scripture. Is a quote. Is a scripture um, by Jesus when he describes what the Bible is, and 
This is from the Gospel of Luke. So <laughs> the same book that I started reading the Bible with. And then I went back and was like, oh my goodness, this is great. So this is after he's gets you up to speed. Jesus has been raised from the dead. <laughs> Holy crap. <laughs> and he's now talking to so his disciples. Yeah. Um, and they're like trying to understand like, what are you doing here? <laughs> like, does it make sense? And Jesus says, These are my words that I spoke to you while I was still with you when I was alive, that everything written about me in the law of Moses and the prophets and the Psalms must be fulfilled. Then he opened their minds to understand the scriptures. And he said to them, Thus it is written that the Messiah should suffer and that on the third day rise from the dead and that repentance for the forgiveness of sins should be proclaimed in his name to all nations, beginning from Jerusalem. Mm. And it's weird, like, what f- first confused me when I was a baby Christian was Jesus is like, oh, as it is written, and it's not written anywhere. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, okay, now you're just making stuff up, man. Like, But seeing, especially Old Testament, as like, what I said earlier of, if you want to understand the Bible better, not every story is quote-unquote about Jesus in the Old Testament. Um, not everything is like foreshadowing Jesus. That's such a, oh my goodness, terrible paradigm. It's highlighting our brokenness and that we clearly need God to do something outside of ourselves to save us. Um, Paul, uh, early Jesus follower, who's like a missionary, planted churches. He said how like scriptures uh, make us wise for salvation. They make us smart enough to know how dumb (laughs) and messed up we are. (laughs) And that that we need Jesus. And for me, when I got my mind around that, um, the scriptures became so much more powerful and lively and if I just had, you know, an earpiece to talk to Christians <laughs> for like a couple minutes, I would just try to say, hey, like, history is important. Like, the Bible is comes from history. Like, humans throughout events doing things. But the Bible is God throughout human history um, bringing salvation, reconciling us to him. And to know that story is really, really important that we read it how Jesus read it. Um, Because any other way is just like counterfeit shadow, I've come to realize. Um, And some of it's all, you know, some of it's good, like devotional books are good. Um, There's chronological Bibles where they quote-unquote chronologically take you through the story of the Bible. They're they're okay, like they're good, and it helps compare and contrast Mm -hmm. certain stories in the Bible that actually happened around the same time. Um, you know, our, even our modern Bibles, our Protestant Bibles, or if you're Catholic, um, any traditional contemporary Bible translation has, you know, the Old Testament in a certain order, and the New Testament in a certain order, and that's good. Like, the Bible's the Bible. <laughs> yeah, 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 <laughs> like, definitely. People try and ask me what translation or what, what I recommend, what Bible, and I was like, whichever one you're going to read consistently (laughs) I just just read it I mean there's some things to watch out for but for me you know Jesus says the law the prophets and the psalms and not to get off the rabbit trail too much but the idea is the original Jewish ordering of the Old Testament Jesus saw as 
definitive. Like, that was his Bible. Like, mm-hmm. I, I truly think God inspired humans. <laughs> I mean, you know, the scriptures are inspired by God. Mm-hmm. And that point in human history, he saw it well that Jesus, um, that he, as human, that God came to earth as Jesus to lead his people mm-hmm. to freedom to his kingdom, to announce his rule, um, with a very specific curriculum, <laughs> you know, set in stone that way. And so for me, reading the Bible, how Jesus read it, and even just pausing and like, when you're reading a gospel story and thinking about, oh, like, why does Jesus say that? And like you said, Anna, there's footnotes. Mm-hmm. Just go back and read the whole chapter <laughs> yeah. of what are you quoting from. And for me, that's been the most helpful um, paradigm shifting where the Bible not only makes sense, but it points me so much more to Jesus when I don't try to prescribe my own way of reading it, Hmm. um, but when I allow Jesus to be my teacher. And man, again, there's nothing for it. I can't, you know, you can't wrap it up in a podcast. You can't, Mm -hmm. um, Bible Project's great, but you know, a short video isn't going to be the be all end all, Hmm. but it takes, you know, like learning, studying, when I, re- I remember mm-hmm. she, when I was sharing my testimony last yeah. year when Cassie was interviewing me, the word that kept coming to mind is like adventure, mm-hmm. like being mm-hmm. in a relationship with God is an adventure and there's always new things to discover and explore. Yeah. If we just keep our eyes mm-hmm. at least slightly open yep. to what he has for yeah. us and what he wants to teach us through yeah. his word and yeah. through the people around us and what his spirit wants to teach mm-hmm. us. It's amazing. Yeah. It's, it's an adventure and there's, you know, it's like exploring a cave Mm-hmm. where you think you've reached the bottom, but it's just one cavern of yeah. like dozens of different caverns and different um, trails and different things to explore. Mm-hmm. And so, yeah, there's, again, there's nothing for it, but just to keep exploring, keep learning. If you have the idea of, oh, I want to learn, you're probably in the right spot. <laughs> yes. Like you're probably, you know, for me, it was like, throughout my whole story, it was, oh, I want to grow. I want to be in community. Oh, I want to know more about the Bible. If you just want to know more, I believe, you know, God wants to give you his wisdom. <laughs> and honor that. Yeah, and honor yeah, that. Yeah. 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 It's good. the idea of like in Genesis where God creates humanity. Mm-hmm. And the idea is, you know, they can choose to define wisdom on their own terms. Or they just like walk with God and like go on walks with him and learn his wisdom. Mm-hmm. And... If you just want to walk with God, learn his wisdom, you will, you'll get there eventually. Yeah. Um, isn't taking the shortcuts that mm-hmm. lead, you know, to <laughs> danger and trying to just shortcut your way. But when you slow down, um, I know nothing still about the Bible in relation to, you know, people older than me and everything. And it keeps me humble. And I think yeah. humility is like the most important part of any journey. Like I said, where I could get angry and cranky over... I didn't learn this until this age, or I didn't learn that until I was in college, or I didn't follow Jesus concretely, you know, make that choice until high school. Mm-hmm. But at the end of the day, it's really all about, okay, like wherever you're at, God's going to walk with you. Mm-hmm. And that's that's it. That's why I would just encourage. Mm-hmm. Love that. Mm-hmm. Well, let's end there, Trent. Thank mm-hmm. you so much uh, for joining us and help making this podcast happen, mm-hmm. uh, for sharing what God has worked on in your life. 
And um, if you're out there listening, we hope this episode encourages you in your own walk with God and also your relationship with the Bible, like we were talking about today. So feel free to email me um, with any comments, questions, or topic suggestions at Anna at OregonStateXA.com or reach out to one of us in person. Have a great week. And remember, by reading the scripture, how Jesus read them, we protect ourselves from, from creating a Bible in our own image. Mm-hmm.